It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm Casey Hendrickson here with Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard. we got a special guest today, Ryan Fair, and you are listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. And so Ryan is a CPA. He's with Corhorn Financial Group, and today we're going to be talking about tax planning and why you should do it now, ways to improve your taxes, and everything else. Get set up before April 15th. So uh, Ryan, welcome to the program, man. How are you? Great, Casey. Thanks for having me. All right, so CPAs, most interesting people in the world. <laughs> so we're expecting an absolute firestorm out of Ryan today. You know it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's <laughs> going to be important. All right, so we also have some listeners' questions. want to remind everybody that if you go to wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit your question right there on the website. You can also call and leave a voicemail, uh, 574-222-2000. Just leave your question right there in that voicemail. By the way, people have started to use that service. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, guys, so we're talking about taxes. It's October. Seems a little early, considering everybody has until April 28th, right? Next year? April 15th. Oh, it's the 15th? 15th. Oh. This year. Just this year. I filed an extension last year, FYI. Still haven't done my taxes. You missed that last week. First first time I have ever been late like this, and I'm feeling pretty bummed about it. The move and packing everything away and actually putting it in... um, in storage, uh, just kind of got me very behind. taxing. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to go ahead and deal with the uh, the fines and the fees and everything else. Ryan can help with that. Yeah, yep. Ryan. Ryan, I think you're going to be the guy that helps me with that. So I'm told. So uh, why are we talking about this in October, man? Well, the most important thing that you can do relative to your tax situation is tax planning, and don't confuse tax planning with tax preparation. So we're talking about April fifteenth, and your your if you had income. From 2015, your taxes have to be filed by April 15th or extended and done by October 15th. Oops. But that is preparation, not planning. And so um, tax planning actually needs to be done year-round. And as certified financial planners, we believe tax planning should be done in the context of a comprehensive financial plan. All right, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you know, you're connected with Corn Financial Group, you're a CPA, but are you the only one at the firm or No, actually I'm one of three CPAs on the on the staff full-time at Corn Financial Group. We've got about 10 other full-time tax and business service uh, team members that are around throughout the year. And then we have the rest of the KFG team also that we lean on heavily throughout the year to, you know, help us uh, and collaborate with. Yeah, Ryan's a bit modest. He's been with the firm for a long time. He helps lead the tax team, mm-hmm. and uh, our tax team actually prepares just shy of 3,000 tax returns each year, and some of those are a little late, as uh, you know, Ryan was a little busy here getting into October with that, but yeah, Ryan leads a great team of folks, and Ryan's been a CPA at our firm for a long time. So you've got a team of three people, so you're averaging... Now, is it three people total or four people total? No, we've got 10 people total. Oh. Three of us are CPAs. Three, three, okay, yep. all right. So I was thinking maybe 3,000, you know, nope. so there's like 1,000. Okay, all right. Nope. So that's a little bit more manageable, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're going to be doing my taxes, so I've got to make that's, sure everything's on You're one of 1,000, Casey. up and up. All right, so what does tax season kind of look like for you guys? I mean, obviously you do about 3,000 or so a year, but, you know, kind of go through the process. Yeah, it's very busy, very active, very exciting, and tiring all at the same time. Uh, we get to see, the, the good part of it is we get to see a lot of clients throughout 
you know, those three, four months of tax season where it's, where it's extremely busy. Um, get to see a lot of clients that we've become friends with over the years and then see how some of the tax planning that we've done throughout the year really can pay off at tax time where people aren't just, you know, shocked or surprised too bad at tax time. They, they're, they're expecting what their, what their end result is. And, uh, it's, it's good. Now they said, well, you've been doing this for what, 14 years? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. 14 years. Yep. I, I joined Corhorn Financial Group 14 years ago and, uh, been doing the tax in the tax department since 2005, uh, started out in the financial planning part of the business, and yeah, it's all, all been great. Actually, Ryan and I were going through the certified financial planning material at the same time. He came to the firm about a year before I did, okay. and we got to the tax part of it, and we'd come in every day, and Ryan would say, oh my goodness, I love that, and I thought, you are crazy. This is the end of our friendship. Dramatic. Not that he dramatic. Liked he liked it. It's weird that way, though, because I've got, I've got a cousin that does that. And he's just, he's drawn to it. For some reason, it's just one of those, one of those things that people, some people are just drawn to it. Thank God they are. Uh, yeah, because absolutely. we we need those people around. So in 14 years of doing this, Ryan, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen to the tax code in the way that people do their taxes? You know, every year it's constantly changing. There's, there's new stuff every year. All of the numbers change every year as far as the, you know, exemptions and deductions and Phase outs. There's there's a new set of rules every year. It seems like for for tax preparers and and clients uh, to get used to. It's you know I don't know that there's one thing that stands out over the 14 years, but it's just the constant change and constant just metamorphosis of the different right. policies and stuff yeah. out there. Yep. Now we've got presidential campaigns happening right now. I have lobbied and advocated for people like you to be out of a job because I don't I don't want to have to ever deal with taxes ever again. You don't ever want to pay your taxes? Is that what you're saying, Casey? I would rather just go to the store, buy something, and have it already done. Ah. Uh, and, you know, if that means that, that guys like Ryan are out of a job, I'm sorry, Ryan. It's you nothing know, personal, song, man. It's just... Um, something like Video Killed the Radio Star also. <laughs> so you're... <laughs> Except more people listen to radio than watch television. Yeah, there you go. But it's... it's it's a fair assessment. Fair. But you, know, you got the presidential campaigns, though, in all seriousness, and every single time that there's an election, period. Uh, so every couple of years, we have to deal with this, not just on an annual basis, but it becomes a big issue in the country. And we've had a couple of tax plans that have been presented by a couple of the candidates. So I mean, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff that you're hearing from the candidates without getting too specific? You yep. know, we don't want you to get too political. And, you know, is a system broken? Can it be fixed? How would you, as a professional, fix it? You're running hey, for president now. Congratulations, yeah, that's Ryan. I was going to say, if I, if I knew exactly what the fix was, I'd be out there running and uh, campaigning right now instead of recording. But, um, yeah, I think something definitely needs to change. Uh, I don't know what the exact solution is, but but there are lots of options out there. The flat tax is one that's been uh, you know talked about a lot, and you especially uh, were talking about putting me out of a job with that. There's other options with consumption taxes that I know I hear kicked around where you know, it's not all based just on income, but but it's a component of spending where, you know, if you buy a lot of stuff, you're, you know, paying more tax than the people that, that don't. Um, there's lots of different solutions that, that I think could be morphed together to to create something different than this progressive system that we have right now. You know, I, I in my position, I get to meet with a lot of people from really all different walks of life throughout the year uh, to help them plan and prepare their taxes. And... There are some on one end of the spectrum that they, they don't pay a dime worth of taxes. And even beyond that, they actually receive credits back for, for money from the government that they haven't paid in in the first place. There's others that are on the other opposite end of the spectrum, make you know lots of money, 
pay lots of tax. A good example of that this year is I had I had a client that made just a ton of money. He normally makes you know good money, you know a couple hundred thousand mm-hmm. a year, which is you know fabulous. This year his company got bought and he ended up with a huge windfall of cash that he had to then reinvest in the new company. Anyways, his W two this year was was about a million and a half dollars. Huge, huge money. Again, I you can't complain about that. We'd all like to be in that position, you know, and pay tax. But at the end of the day, he paid the government over six hundred thousand dollars for the tax between federal, state, and local taxes. And I struggle with that sometimes, thinking, is that does anybody really deserve to pay six hundred thousand dollars of tax or what? You know, yeah. The, Here's the yeah. issue, though. The progressive system that we have right now is some, it, it's, it's used by the government in some way to manipulate and shape the overall general public. What's interesting about a tax is you can view it as somewhat of a, of a penalty, right? If you're driving your car and going over the speed limit, you get a ticket if you're, if you're caught. Kevin, have you ever been caught? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> Kevin has never sped before. Just like okay. I have never gone a single mile over the speed but limit. So, so think about the consumption tax. Our economy is driven by consumption. Right. And, and Americans in general are over consumers, if you will. Spend a lot of money. We don't save a lot of money. And that really helps us become a great economy, good stock market. And, and all regardless of, of your income level, too. If you start taxing what well, we already have sales tax, but if you start taxing more on expenses, won't that slow down expenses? I... I I think the tax system is broken, mm-hmm. and I am actually sort of in favor of a flat tax. The consumption tax scares me, though. I think it's fair, but I think it scares me for what it could do to the overall economy. See, I'm a pro-consumption tax guy, as long as you remove other components. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you just add it yeah. onto everything that we have, I think you're right. Well, that's the other thing. I was talking to Ryan before the show, and when he first started, actually, uh, a couple years after he started as a CPA at our firm, someone hung in his office a list of all of the taxes yeah just a list of them from 1950 and then a list of them from 2000 and the list tripled yeah just the number of taxes not tax rates or anything just the um, number of taxes out there anyway it's 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 a massive amount which is why cpas are so important i know i'm picking on them but so ryan what's what's some of the biggest challenges that people have when it relates to their taxes that you think is just the the most difficult thing for people to deal with it's really just the sheer volume of knowledge and stuff that's out there relating to taxes. I get so many questions from people that are just confused about everything tax related because it's, it is confusing. You know, I do this as a full-time job uh, and I, I'm on top of, you know, getting all the latest publications and reading stuff all the time. And it's tough to keep everything straight. And then especially when it changes every year, there's, it's just a, a monumental task for most people to understand really what's going on and, is there, the right thing. is there like one big mistake that you see people make on a regular basis year after year after year after year? And I'm talking aside from buying tax software to do their own taxes. I'm talking <laughs> aside from that because you should never do that. Uh, but what are those things are rigged, by the way, by the IRS to benefit the IRS. I'm just saying. But I mean, what is there another mistake that you tend to see on a regular basis? I see one all the time as a planner. And Ryan, you can be thinking of what your answer would be. I see one all the time where someone is in that no tax bracket or very, very low tax bracket, yet they're saving pre-tax into their 401k. So you are you are willingly taking a tax deduction today when you don't need one because you're not paying any tax. And then you're going to pay tax on those dollars when you withdraw them in retirement. To me, that that's the biggest mistake that I see people make. And we're going to talk about that later in the sure. show yeah. about some of the strategies. Yeah, we can't just let that go. But that's the biggest mistake that I see. 
All right, so I'll tell you what. And while we now know who Ryan is, and Ryan's a CPA, again, does taxes, we're not here to talk about doing your taxes, because it's October. I'm sure we'll get to that yep. as we get closer to April. But we are here to talk about tax planning, changing your tax situation as a part of your overall financial planning picture. And so we're going to talk with Ryan and the guys from uh, Corn Financial Group here on Wise Money about all that coming up right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back once again. You're tuned in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Again, I'm Casey Hendrickson, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard. Special guest today, Ryan Fair, CPA at Corhorn Financial Group. And we are talking about ways to not, not do your taxes, but to improve your tax situation. Tax planning, which is different than tax preparation because it's October. So we're going to go ahead and kind of define that for the audience, Kevin. Like what... How is this different? Well, tax planning is, is different than tax preparation. Tax planning is taking a look at your situation, what your sources of income are, what your sources of other um, taxable gains or whatnot might be, and how do you prepare to make sure that you're paying uh, your, your tax bill and you're making provision for that. But if uh, a lot of times folks have years that vary from year to year to year, so there are things that might be, uh, to my advantage this year that I might might not be able to take advantage of next year. So I need to be aware of those things, and I need to really understand the opportunities. Tax planning is all about discovering opportunities, and then it, it's kind of like trying on clothes. Does this fit or not? Do I want to do it or not? Do I want to come up with the money to put into my retirement plan to reduce my taxable income or not? So um, planning is important, and again, when you look at planning, the six areas of planning, your present financial position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. Tax planning is a thread that is woven through almost every other area of comprehensive financial planning. When somebody comes into Quorum Financial Group and they're looking at planning out their taxes, what are some of the strategies that your team uses to go ahead and analyze that whole picture for them and kind of set this up? Yeah, there's really a bunch of them. There's First, we look at withholdings for people, see if we need to increase or decrease withholdings through their paychecks. There's all kinds of decisions that come into play with retirement planning, uh, whether that's contributions or even distributions from retirement plans. Charitable contributions each year is something you can definitely do to, to change your tax situation. Here, and we're actually let's let's park on these for a while because okay. this is to me this is the main thrust of why we want to talk about tax planning. What are the things that you can do, listener, that can help improve your tax situation? To me, the one that jumps off the page is should you do Roth contributions or traditional pre-tax contributions to either your four hundred one k or to an IRA. That is the biggest one. I mean, that is the quintessential tax planning question. If you want to save up for retirement and you want to retire someday, should you do it pre-tax where you're getting a tax benefit today? That'd be just a traditional. Or should you do a Roth, which is you're not getting any tax benefit today, but those dollars grow tax-free when you withdraw them. You don't pay any tax on them. So which one makes the most sense? Ryan already mentioned, and I think Kevin as well, well, your income change or can change year to year. So one year, a Roth may make sense. The very next year, if your income changes, a traditional or a deductible contribution may make more sense. So that is, I think, the biggest decision we help people make in tax planning. If you haven't thought that one through, 
you should. I think a lot of people also just kind of take whatever their employer says. You know, they fill out that little tax form and they go to work at some place and like, how much do you want to have out? You know, how many dependents do you have? And that's not necessarily going to be what you should have deducted from your paycheck. Do you think that a lot of people really overlook that withholding? Oh, that's a joke. If we can be candid, the, the filling out the form, to, the W-4, mm-hmm. to see what withholdings you should have, you can't answer those questions and arrive at the right answer. You really can't. So that's what determines how much is withheld from your pay, your pay stub. And that, Ryan said that's the first thing that we look at with Yeah, that's the first thing he said, yeah. And to, and to go a little further on that, as we look at coming towards the end of the year, so if you're a person that estimates your taxes and you've written three estimates so far, one of the things that you want to consider as it relates to planning is what what does my year look like? If my year was very difficult and I didn't make nearly what I had planned on making, I might not want to make that the fourth estimate. And the fourth estimate is due by January 15th. Now you might look at that and say, no, I, I for sure want to make my state tax estimate just because that's deductible and I want to get that done in this year. But this is where the planning comes in and the finesse comes in because you want to manage cash and cash flow. And the other thing is if you've ripped the cover off the ball and it's been a fantastic year, your estimates aren't going, likely won't cover what you've made this year. So then the question is, well, where is now? Now we're back to present financial position. I need to manage my cash and cash flow and make a provision to get those taxes paid. Um, even if I'm not in an underpayment penalty situation, I need to have the cash to get it, get the, the taxes paid. Yeah. So we've we've hit on a few here, Roth or not to Roth. Make sure that you've got the right withholdings. And if you're paying estimates, you know, how's your income evolved over the year? One other tax strategy that we talk to a lot of people about, especially if you live in Indiana, is is there a tax-efficient way for you to save up for that college goal, sending your kids to school? Indiana is not the best at a lot of things, but we've got the best long-term care insurance and the best 529 plan, period. So the 529 plan, if you live in Indiana and pay Indiana state tax, you can use the Indiana College Choice Plan and get a 20% state tax credit on the first five grand that you contribute into that plan every single year. So the 529 plan for college works a lot like the Roth IRA. You don't get any tax deduction on your contribution, but it grows tax-free if you use those dollars for college. But in Indiana, and if you pay Indiana state tax, you can get actually a tax credit on your contribution. You can do that for grandkids too. There you go. Lots of grandparents use that to uh, help their grandkids out. I love it nieces and nephews absolutely and i think as we get as we're getting towards the end of the year one of the things that that folks want to look at is what kind of expenses have i had so if i've had a year with a lot of medical expenses and this might be a year my medical expenses allow me to itemize if there are some other things that i need to get done medically i might want to get those done and something else too that's relatively new that a tax code is that affordable care act penalty if you don't have your insurance Oh, yeah. Uh, See, Ryan, I thought you were going to say that earlier and, about and what's that's, the, what are the changes. That's that, really changing for 2016, too. I mean, it's, it's going up huge. So yep. these yep. are all things that now, previously, you didn't have to really consider. Now you also have to consider, and they can really change your financial position as, as, as well. So when should people start doing their tax planning in the year? Is it is it January 1st? Is it the year before? Every time, I, throughout the year, really, every time we sit down and meet with someone, and, and depending on the relationship that we have with folks, we see them either every quarter or twice a year, but every meeting we're talking about taxes. So if, you, if you're doing financial planning, we're talking taxes every time you sit down. And, you know, that's just, that's not unique about 
what we do, everyone should take that approach. You should be thinking about your tax situation all year. And when you said, should you think about it the prior year? Should you be thinking about next year? Absolutely. And just to give you a quick example, I have some folks that uh, don't itemize, but if they did their charitable contributions, if you took what they do in two years and put them into one year, they would itemize. Say that. Say more about that. Why would you double up? And when would you do that? Well, just to give, just to use an example, if I gave $5,000 a year to my church, but that didn't allow me to itemize because I didn't have other things that would allow me to, if every other year I gave $10,000 to my church, I could itemize if I'm single or uh, depending on the situation. Now, why would that be beneficial though? I think there's a lot of people that are hearing itemize and they're going, I don't know what that is. So itemizing means you're itemizing your deductions. So everybody, when they do their taxes, they get to either take the standard deduction or itemize their deductions. Common itemized deductions include medical expenses. There's limitations on that, but you, then your state and local income taxes, which is why Kevin said speed up your, your fourth quarter estimate and pay it in the current year as opposed to the next year so you can take the deduction this year. Property taxes. Uh, excise tax, mortgage interest, charitable contributions, those are the biggies for itemizing your deductions. So if you add up all your expenses that I just mentioned and it's not enough to get higher than the standard deduction, then you take the standard deduction because that benefits you more on your tax return. So Kevin's talking about stacking some of them on top of each other in one year or another to get some tax benefit as opposed to doing the 5000 each year in his example and getting no financial tax benefit out of it on their on their tax return. How many people are not bothering with the itemized deductions because it's too much hassle and they're just taking whatever the, the normal estimate is and they're just they're oh. giving money away to the government? Oh my goodness, that is why you should not be doing your taxes by yourself. Or every, buying the software. Every, every tax return that comes through our door, we are filling out Schedule A, which is your itemized deduction, and going through it with people to show them, hey, you weren't even anywhere close. You or overpaid yet. $3,000 really last close. year. Congratulations. Now, we're, we're doing that analysis for everyone. And, you know, just the, the, the tech software that just walks you through it, now that it, they, people miss that all the time. I, I don't think, I've, I've known some accountants in the past, and I've had some people who've done taxes for a living in the past, and, and they've, they've all told me, and I don't know to what extent this is true, but you see that little, oh, this is certified by the IRS, which means the IRS says this software is guaranteed to make the IRS more money than they should probably be able to make. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why I always say, eh, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do that. I mean, if it's in a pinch, maybe it's good, but it's always good to have a professional go through it. So coming up, what we're going to do is we're going to actually talk about uh, how somebody would begin this process. If they wanted to go to Gorham Financial Group, they wanted to see Ryan or a member of Ryan's team and, and what that would kind of look like and give you kind of a primer. Because... I've said this over and over for years and years. People go, hey, Casey, what software do you recommend to do this? Because they know I'm a computer guy and I always say, find an accountant, find a CPA. That's the first thing you need to do. Forget about the software. Uh, so we'll talk about the basic process of what that would look like if you wanted to seek out the help of a professional uh, by going to Core and Financial Group. Once again, I want to remind everybody that if you go to wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit your listener question right there. You can also give us a call at 574-222-2000. You can leave your question on our voicemail. We will be answering a bunch of questions coming up in just a few minutes, but we also want to go ahead and make sure we walk you through the basic process of how it is you go in for the very first time to have a professional do your taxes coming up right here on Wise Money on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, you know those guys. But we got a special guest today, Ryan Fair, who is a CPA over at Corhorn Financial Group. And Ryan has been helping us talk about tax planning today. Not tax preparation, because some of you are going, hey, hold on a second, it's not even the end of the year yet. We're talking about tax planning, which is something that is an ongoing process throughout the entire year, not just filling out your taxes. And the one thing I think we've kind of hit on, Ryan, is that software is probably bad. Doing it on your own is probably bad because you're probably giving up too much money to the government when you can get more money back. So you probably should have a professional, and I've always recommended this. So let's say somebody out there has never had a professional do their taxes before. They call Quorum Financial Group up and they go, I, I want somebody to look at my taxes. I need a professional. What's the process look like when they first call you guys up to first walking through the door? Because I think a lot of people just think they bring in that form their employer gave them, and that's really not that simple. No, that's a good start. We do need that, but there's other stuff that we need also. When, whenever we get a new tax client, we always ask them to bring in their last two years tax returns, federal, state, as well as the supporting documents, uh, meaning W-2s, 1099s, et cetera. And we actually do go through the prior year's returns and make sure that they're prepared correctly. Make sure that there aren't any you know, obvious mistakes that, that were made. And we actually find a lot of stuff when we review prior year returns that were either self-prepared or um, you know, prepared by some, someone else. There, it's common to find, find mistakes or oversights that, that are done. So and we can amend up to yeah. three years. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we can, we can fix those. So. Yep. yep. And so right now, if somebody, somebody were sitting at home listening and they needed to Make, take some action and, and have their taxes reviewed and get ready for tax season. When you bring, you can call us now and bring in the last couple of years taxes, meet with somebody. We'll review them, uh, talk through them with you. And what we do is we send out organizers at the end of every year, which what an organizer is, is just a packet of paper that contains a questionnaire that asks a bunch of questions that spark conversations between us and the client. And also, it has all of last year's tax information included to remind people. They may forget, oh, yeah, last year I received interest from XYZ Bank and yeah. you know this certain stock that I have. I forgot that I need to be looking for dividend form at the end of the year. Good point. Because I had it last year. And so we, we will go ahead and actually input the prior year's return into our software so that we can generate those forms towards the end of the year. And that way we're ready for tax season when they do come in. Okay, so I'm basically have before you even call, just have your previous two years ready to go. Yep. Have all your stuff from this year. Yep. Um, and any little thing that you think would be tax related, you know, fees, dividends, all that stuff, and just have that prepared, and then uh, give the guys over at Corn a call. Is there anything that we're forgetting about before we get to listener questions here? Because this is such a big topic. Oh, there's so much. I mean, the tax code is so complicated. This didn't even scratch the surface. But as Ryan just said, if you're if you're listening and you haven't had a professional prepare your return, yeah, we're going to want all those details. It's not to make the process harder on you. It's to get the most accurate return and get you the most money back, make sure you're getting all the right benefits. And so it needs to be a real thorough process. I can tell you guys, just from personal experience, many, many years ago, I was one of those that do my own or I do the software or that sort of thing. And again, I have relatives who kind of do this too. And so that's always helped. Um, but I never really understood. And so I always tried to have the minimal amount taken out of my check without me owing anything at the end of the year. It was a win for me if I got to the end of the year and it was basically even. Yeah. If yep. I got a couple of bucks sure. back, 
or if I had to pay a couple of bucks, no big deal. I don't need a $3,000 windfall because I've been overpaying. I'd rather have that money in my you pocket. Got it. Um, and I don't want to pay $3,000 either. So that's that was always kind of my goal. And so if I got there, I was like, all right, everything's cool. Because it was easy and it was simple, right? Yes. And then I got a professional. Yeah. Things changed. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. I overpaid $1,500 yeah. even though I thought I was just breaking even and everything was awesome. Like, no, no, you forgot about this and you forgot about that. And, oh. and so all of a sudden I was getting $1,500 back. Well, guess what? That rolls over to my next year and I start looking at changing things. I change my withholding like we talked about at the beginning of the show today. More money in my pocket. Boom. Exactly. Every paycheck. Every single paycheck. And I'm still getting to that, you know, relatively even at the end of the year sort of thing. And then I open a business, which was a foolish thing to do, and everything got all complicated. But <laughs> <laughs> Ryan will see that shortly. We love small about businesses. All that. that wasn't right. foolish. That, you know, to your point, Casey, if you've changed jobs this year, mm-hmm. you should be looking at your payroll paycheck stub and see do, do the withholdings look in line with my new job, with what I was doing in my prior job. And you should be taking these, your paycheck stubs to your tax uh, planner and say, hey, am I doing this right? Is there something that needs to be adjusted here so, so there's not a nasty surprise at the end of yeah. the year? And I know a couple of people, too, that intentionally pay more money per paycheck because they see it as a savings. Force savings, yep. yeah. Yeah, for savings. And then they get their return at the end of the year. And so they're like, oh, hey, I got a couple grand. I can go buy a TV or do whatever, or, you know, that sort of thing. That way yeah. they don't spend the actual money. I, yeah. I'm not in that line of thinking, but I do know a couple of people that intentionally do that. You'd be with surprised. The help, There's yeah, with the help of their a professional lot, a lot yeah, of to be able to do that. All right, so we're going to head into some listener questions. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, if you go to wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit your question right there on the website. Got a nice little online form there. You can peruse the old podcast and find something that has the subject material that you are interested in. You can also call and leave us a voicemail, so you can leave your question right there on the voicemail if that's more comfortable for you. 574-222-2000. So, Deborah, what advice do you have about fixed-rate annuities? Oh, it's that, uh, it's that A-letter word. Yeah, A-word. Man. Uh, <laughs> how safe are they? And if you die, would your IRA annuity be transferred to your children if you have no spouse? Thank you for the question, Deborah. A lot of people, this is a, this is a great question. So annuities, you mentioned the A-word. Uh, annuities are Love pretty- Love them or hate them, right? right. It, they're pretty controversial. Actually, we, we view them as a tool, but a lot of financial professionals have just overused this tool, and a lot of the consuming public just don't understand it. Annu- annuities can be pretty complicated. As more and more baby boomers are reaching retirement, though, and facing this problem of needing to replace their paycheck and get some retirement income, I think annuities may- may play a role in that, maybe a solution for a lot of folks. But the right kind of annuity is, is important, not just any annuity. There are a lot of varieties, and you got to use the right kind. A fixed annuity, a fixed annuity is one where you're looking for some sort of fixed, stable rate of return, and you're using an insurance company's product, the annuity, uh, to hopefully have some downside protection. So that that goes to her first question, how safe is it? It's backed by the full faith and credit of the insurance company that is uh, you know, issuing it. If that insurance company is strong, the annuity should be pretty safe. If the annuity or the insurance company is not very strong, it's not going to be that safe. And guess which one's going to pay the higher interest rate? <laughs> Probably the one that's not as safe. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking, hey, where can I get the most interest rate? You might be going right towards one that's a little more risky than you thought. Yeah. So, Deborah, when you th- when you're asking about a fixed rate annuity, when I th- when I hear fixed annuity, I th- immediately I think of a saver. 
because there are two in general, two types of people. There are savers and there are investors. And some people are just savers and that's fine. So if you're a saver, a fixed annuity could be a good solution for you. And and right now you can get a five-year fixed annuity, which has a multi-year guarantee from an A-rated company, which Mike said is important, somewhere in the ballpark of 3%. Now that's where rates are today. They're subject to change and do on an ongoing basis. But when I think of a fixed annuity, to Deborah's question, I think along the lines of I'm a saver and I want a guaranteed result at some point in the future. And so the the reason why you would compare, uh, you know, you say, what would I compare a fixed annuity to? Um, the, you would compare that behaviorally to um, a CD, so a CD IRA. A CD, and you say, how safe are CDs? Well, they're FDIC insured or insured by the NCUA. Um, whereas, as Mike said, the, the fixed annuity is backed by the full faith and credit of the insurance company. So um, the only thing that I would say is be careful if you're in a bank and looking at a fixed annuity, because a lot of times they have an attractive first year rate, but the rate for the subsequent years falls off dramatically. And people are surprised when they look at their uh, annuity from the bank. And I saw one last week that was paying 1%. So the other part of her question, though, is will it be transferred to my children if I die and don't have a spouse? And yeah, you can you add a beneficiary right right to your annuity contract. Make sure you fill it out, but it states if something happens to you, it goes to the primary beneficiary. If that primary beneficiary is no longer around, it goes to the contingent beneficiary. So as long as you have that filled out, yeah, it, it should pass right to your kids if you know if you don't have a spouse. And we have more listener questions coming up in just a couple of minutes. Once again, I want to remind you, you're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Coming up right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back. Once again, you're listening to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and special guest Ryan Fair is a CPA over at Corhorn Financial Group is joining us today. And we are in the portion of the show where we go over listener questions. Once again, go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit your question on the website, or give us a call and leave your question on the voicemail at 574-222-2000. So we've got uh, Paul. We left off with Deborah. Very interesting question about annuities. Paul says, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Uh, can I put a lump sum distribution from my wife's pension into my Fidelity IRA? That is a great question, Paul. The, the short answer is no, but why is the answer no? Well, IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account, so therefore it is an individually owned asset. So if there's a lump sum distribution coming from your wife's pension, you could not put it into your IRA. You could, if she decided to cash it out, she could invest it and put it in your name. But that's that's a lot of taxes and a lot of consequences to achieve an end like that. But she could open an IRA in her own name and transfer it over there. The other question is, though, that you maybe didn't think of, Paul, is should you? I mean, you asked the question, can can I, but, but should you? And should you take a lump sum distribution from a pension or just have it pay out on a monthly basis? I Nine times out of 10, we, we recommend that folks transfer it over to an IRA. Because if you turn that money, that pension, just into an income stream and you pass away, will there be income left to your spouse? 
Some of them, yes, but you give up a little bit on a monthly benefit. But what if something happens to you and your spouse? Will there be pension income to your kids? No. But if you roll this money over to an IRA then and something happens to your wife, then that money's yours. If something happens to both of you, it goes to the kids. So nine times out of 10, if you've got the option to take a lump sum distribution out of a pension, roll it over to that person's IRA. So your, your spouse would roll her pension over to an IRA in her name. Typically, that's a better deal. All right. And with this question, think, think along the lines of the Powerball winner. They say the Powerball winner won $350 million, and, but they're not taking the $350 million. They're taking $190,000 in cash up front. Okay. So th- there's a there's a control issue. They would rather have the cash in their hands than have a, a fixed payment over their lifetime. So then we have Tim from Elkhart. Tim's 54 years old, so I'm already contributing the maximum to my 401k and also the maximum to my Roth IRA. But I heard you talk about the additional 415 limits. My question is, am I to understand that I can contribute additional funds above the limit into my 401k and then roll them over the following year to a Roth IRA, which would mean that I can contribute uh, to the Roth tax-free. If so, that would be great. Tim, awesome question, man. And you called in to the hotline, and you left this question over voicemail. So actually, we're not going to be able to do this for everyone, but I actually called Tim and talked to him uh, live about this question because it's an awesome question. And the 415 limit, was a pretty it's a pretty incredible deal. So if you are just tuning in and you're like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, tune into our show, the episode on the website about 401ks. But essentially, here's, here's a gist uh, that... If you're contributing to a 401k at your company and you max that out, so 18,000 for folks that are under the age of 50 or 24,000 if you're 50 or older, and you max out your contribution, you should see if you're allowed to put additional dollars into your 401k above that limit on an after-tax basis. So check with your check with your HR, that's what I told Tim, check with HR and see if you're allowed to put extra money after tax into your 401k above that limit. If you can, why would you? Why, why would you want to put money in after tax above that limit? Because every year you can roll over or transfer that after tax money to a Roth IRA. So Tim's question is so close, and but he's not quite right here. He's saying, can I put extra into my 401k pre-tax and then move it to my Roth, meaning I've got you know, tax-free money in my Roth? No. The extra money above your maximum contribution is after tax. And that's how you can move it to the Roth. It's after tax money that goes into the Roth and it grows tax free. This is complicated. If I put you to sleep just there, I'm sorry. It's complicated stuff. Most CPAs don't know it. Ryan does. Ryan's the man. <laughs> he knows all these tricks. Most CPAs don't. Most financial professionals don't know this. In fact, if you brought it up, they'd probably say you're crazy. Just call us, send us an email. It's too complicated. But it's so good. That, that's but I, I and that's just it. Like I, I, you get the feeling that so many people, uh, not just in the profession, but I think you know the average individual, they're just looking for the easiest, the most simple solution out there, and they're leaving so much out there that they could be getting in benefits that they just kind of. This Unfortunately, is, they're just being lazy about it. This is such a big deal because what what Tim's also doing is maxing out his Roth contribution, sixty five hundred. So what this 415 limit strategy does is it allows him to get a lot more into his Roth IRA each year than $6,500. You can get a lot more, up, upwards of 20 grand. And it sounds like that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to really fund these things. Which is awesome, which is great. Yeah. 
By the way, kudos to uh, yeah. kudos to him for being able to do that. Yeah. All right, I think we got time for one more. We got a minute, minute and a half left, guys. Uh, Chris, um, it, I think we might have started answering this one in a previous show. We lost our house during a recession when I was out of work, and we've been renting since then. I think my credit has improved a bit, but I am not sure that I ever want to own a home again. I feel you. Any advice? Uh, should I keep renting, or is that throwing money away? Renting is only throwing money away if you don't need a house. But if you need, most people actually need a place to stay. So there, <laughs> you have you have a couple of choices. One is to own, and the other is to rent. And so, if renting is your only choice, or it's a choice you made, it's definitely not throwing money away. It used to be before two thousand eight and two thousand nine. People would say the only thing I've never lost money on is real estate. And you can't really lose money on real estate, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it so so now we chuckle uh, in hindsight. But that that was the idea. And in in two thousand one, two, and three, when the stock market was uh, had its its first uh, problems in the two thousands, people were pulling money out of investments and paying down their mortgages because they said, my house is the only thing I've never lost money on, so that's where I want to have uh, my money. There are a lot of people that, that feel a little bit snake bit about the idea of home ownership because it has not worked well for them. And this is where, um, you know, Chris, if you, if you lost your home uh, when you're out of work, you might need to take a look at your credit score and see how do you improve that. And there, there's probably a lot of foundational work you want to do uh, before you make the decision, do I ever buy a house again? Yeah. All right, guys. We leave anything on the table? Ryan? We got it all. How, how does uh, everybody get a hold of you, man? Give us a call at the hotline. Yeah, let me rephrase that. How do I get a hold of you so you can do my taxes? <laughs> <laughs> Here's my card. Uh, no, Give us a call. 222-2000. Yep. Yeah. Or visit corhorn.com with a K or wisemoneyradio.com. All right, guys, another good week. Appreciate it. We hope uh, you all enjoyed the show. And again, Wise Money Radio has all the previous podcasts, so if you want to look for something in particular, you can go to wisemoneyradio.com. After you're done submitting a question, go back and listen to those old shows. For uh, Corhorn Financial Group, again, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh wasn't with us this week. We also had Ryan Fair, the CPA from Corhorn Financial Group. We appreciate you listening today. And again, you're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.